Hey, I'm Natalie Abbott. And I'm Vera Schmitz. We are sisters who host the Dwell Differently podcast. We help you memorize and meditate on one Bible verse every month. And all month long on our podcast, we talk about what that verse means, why it matters, and how we can apply that verse to our daily lives. Welcome back to the Dwell Differently podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Abbott. And today we are asking the question, what is God's purpose for us in our pain and suffering? And how do we walk through trials in faithful prayer and even joy? In today's episode, Kristen Weatherall answers these questions with vulnerable honesty. Kristen is a pastor's wife, a busy mom of three, an author, a speaker, and she also suffers from constant pain. In our conversation today, she's going to help us see how knowing God in his word is absolutely essential and the lens through which all of our life makes sense, especially our suffering. She says, I'm not rejoicing in the answer to prayer. I'm rejoicing in the Lord who doesn't change. I know you're going to be so encouraged by today's conversation, and it's a way for us to reflect on this month's memory verse, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's Romans 12, 12. Let's dive right in. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you for having me. What a privilege. Well, we are so excited. I I think our audience right now, we've been trying in every possible way to encourage our listeners to really be thinking about 2024 in a, a sort of fresh and excited way about spending time and dwelling in God's Word. So could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about the most recent book that you wrote and and your passion for God's Word? Sure. Happy to. So I'm married to Brad, who is a pastor at our church, The Orchard. We live in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. We're in Arlington Heights, Illinois. So currently I'm looking at a beautiful winter landscape. It is cold. It is about to be negative two over the weekend. So we're all kind of, I know, right? It seems cruel. We're all kind of bracing ourselves, but there really is a beauty to experiencing these seasons. I've lived here my whole life, okay, except for sporadic stints in other states. So I I just love being here. So we serve the orchard. We have three kids. Uh, I stay home with them during the week. And then, you know, when I can get a babysitter or in the in-between moments, nap times or early mornings, I get to write and It is my joy to open Mm. God's word and ask him, Lord, what would you teach me? And then write about it in hopes that it will encourage other people. So I've really enjoyed doing that over the years. And so your most recent book is Help for the Hungry Soul, Eight Encouragements to Grow Your Appetite for God's Word. I think one thing I would love to hear from you is just what encouragement would you give our listeners who are maybe still hearing this and like, Natalie, stop talking about this. <laughs> you know, like it's a struggle. I don't think I can do it. You know, maybe a couple times a week. I definitely go to church, but how do I daily spend time in God's word? So what would you say to that person who's just struggling? Like, you know, the Bible is hard, hard mm. sometimes and it, and sometimes it's really hard to motivate ourselves to spend time in it. And yet in your book, you talk about about how significant it is for us to being hungry, hungry for God's word and for him yeah, himself. Absolutely. It's such a great question because it gets to the heart of it. So the question we need to ask ourselves is why? Why am I doing this? Why would I do this? And um I think for many of us, for myself at least, the challenge is um my why becomes some idyllic picture of what quiet time should look like or is supposed to Mm -hmm. look like. 
I mean, how many of us enter a new year with resolutions and great intentions, prayers to do better in this pursuit? And then by the end of January, February, you know, you get to that place in your Bible reading plan that's just so hard. (laughs) We're looking at the history of Israel. Yes. And then we're just thinking, I can't do this. This is so hard. I don't want to do this anymore. It's getting boring. But I often ask myself, "But but why am I doing this? Is it to check off that box that I have completed my reading plan today, that I have had this ideal quiet time, which is not a command in scripture? but a cultural construct that we've created in the Christian realm, Mm. when really God desires my heart. He wants me to know Him and to enjoy Him and to commune with Him, whether that's before the day begins or during nap time when your kids are down or on your lunch break at work. God wants me. And in turn, Lord, help me to want you. That's, That's the heart of it. God's command is not, you know, you shall arise at 5 a.m., coffee in hand, (laughs) and read (laughs) your Bible reading plan for two hours. That's not the command. The command is Deuteronomy 6, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And then, you know, let it affect your family life or your other relationships, whether you sit in your house or whether you walk by the way. It's all the time. So I think that's a good question to ask ourselves is why am I doing it? And hopefully that encourages you to be freed up a little bit from this idyllic construct of quiet time and to simply seek the Lord. That's really helped me as I've searched the word for what what does God say about his word? That's what I found. And it's super freeing. I would agree with that. I would also just confess to our listeners that I have never read through the Bible in a year in my whole entire life. I have read through the Bible There are parts of the Bible that I consume like it's the very air that I'm breathing and I have to read it and I want to read more. It's like when I get into the Psalms, I could read it through all of the 150 Psalms literally in a day. I could just get stuck sitting in front of my fireplace and read it and love it. And then there are other parts that don't speak to me as easily. And yet when I find myself in there, there is goodness in there for mm-hmm. me. So I would just encourage those of you that are listening that just because you you feel like, man, that's a, that's a tall order. Like just because you fall behind in your reading plan, don't give up. Keep going. Right. There's no command about that. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes you're right. We get stuck with this sort of check it off the list. I have to do it. And then when we fail, so oftentimes for me, at least, I get to this place where I'm like, well, I already failed at that. So I guess I'm not going to do that anymore. Exactly. Exactly. No, I like you. I, I don't know that I've actually read it through in a year. It usually takes me two. I'm actually doing a two-year reading plan right now because I have to slow down. It's just too it's information overload. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to put that in our show notes, you guys. We're going to put a two-year Bible reading plan in our show notes for those of you who want to go slow. That's great. Excellent. So one of the things that you talk about in your book in one of your chapters is you talk about feeding yourself creatively. And I think that's a good segue into even what we've already been talking about. Like You encourage us to spend time really meeting with God and His Word. And I love how you lay out specifically the practice of meditating on Scripture in that chapter. So could you give us your your meditation formula? Oh sure, sure. So I had to I had to stick with the metaphor of hunger, of course. So I use the word taste. So use use the acronym taste as you think about meditating. And when we say meditate, I'm sure you guys talk about this all the time, but we're we're not talking about, you know, the Eastern idea of meditation where you're emptying your mind. We're talking about filling your mind with God's word. We're talking about, you know, not just not just feeding yourself, but enjoying the meal, 
taking the time to notice the flavors, right? Um, I often joke with my husband that I, I don't know how he can enjoy anything that he eats because he eats so fast. And he he would assure me that he does enjoy it. But I think that's the <laughs> difference. We're not just snarfing it down. We're we're meditating. We're chewing on it. We're enjoying it. So the, the acronym is TASTE. So T is for think about it. As you read, um, Professor Don Whitney, who's a professor of the spiritual disciplines, recommends reading big but meditating small. So let's say you have a larger chunk of scripture that you're reading. Maybe it's a chapter or two or just a paragraph. He recommends choosing a portion of that that stands out to you. You don't have to overthink it, but just choose something that stands out to you, a verse or two and make that your focus. Read it a number of times. Repetition is so helpful for noticing new things. You might even want to write it down because writing helps us to think more clearly. So think about it. A is for ask questions. Then you look at the verse and the text around the verse and get curious about it. Who wrote it? What was going on when they wrote it? So why might they have written it? What's the emotion behind it? What does it tell me about who God is, about who I am? What does it tell me about the church or the world? If you have questions, like, I don't understand this, you might even pull out a commentary or go online and see if you can get some other people's thoughts about the passage. So A is ask questions. So T-A-S is for seek Jesus because the whole Bible is one story. And our senior pastor says, and all the way through, the story points to Jesus Christ. And I've just never forgotten that. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. So S is for seek Jesus. Ask yourself, where do I see Christ in this passage? Is there a promise that he has fulfilled, that he will fulfill? Is there you know, a person here who is just a terrible version of who Christ is? Or is there a great person here who points us to Christ's greatness? Is there a sin that, that, that Christ is, is defeating? Is there a command that he's asking of me? So we seek Jesus in this passage. T-A-S, and then T is for takeaway truth. And this is where we want to apply God's word. James in chapter one, he says, you don't just want to be a hearer of the word, someone who looks in the mirror and then walks away and forgets what they look like, but we want to be doers of the word. So we want to ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, how are you leading me to respond to your word? What are you calling me to do in obedience? How do you want me to look more like Christ? And so we want to apply God's word and take it away. And then finally, E is for enjoy God. Because like we mentioned before, what is it all for if we're just checking that box off? And that's the whole point. You know, we don't come to the Bible to attain a proficiency or finish a project. We come to know a person. So maybe that's where prayer comes in. You know, at the end of it, we just want to ask God, Lord, would you use this word and sow it so deeply into my heart that I would enjoy you more and walk with you more as I go through my day? So that's that's the acronym taste, and hopefully it helps our listeners meditate on the word. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. I think having something practical like that where we can kind of hold on to it and say, okay, this is a good way for me to engage with scripture. Because I think sometimes when we come at the Bible, we're like, well, where do I start? And how do I understand this? And I think when you have something in your tool bag that you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this big passage, then I'm going to pull out this little part, and I'm going to think about it, I'm going to ask questions, and I'm going to ask God to reveal things to me so that I can interact with it, and, and maybe it would actually change some behaviors in my life. That's a great way to come at the Bible, any part of the Bible, and not feel overwhelmed and not feel like, oh gosh, I don't know, where do, what do I do with this? It's giving you a very tangible plan for how to engage with Scripture. So I really appreciate you teaching our audience that because I think 
think for me, having an acronym also is helpful because then I'm like, what was the T again? Oh, yes. You know, and so it, it just gives you those tools so that next time you're sitting down to read your Bible or the first time that you're sitting down to read the Bible, for those of yeah. you who are not big Bible readers, here you go. Here's a great way to get started. So thank you so much, Kristen, for sharing that with us. You also talk about scripture memory. You even talk about writing the first letter of every word of a verse on your hand or (laughs) your arm to help (laughs) remember it. And I'm like, yes. Excellent. That is so true. That is what we're doing over here. We're just making, we're like the easy button for scripture memory over here, but you can do it with any verse. You can, anytime something stands out to you that you're reading in that Bible plan or as you're spending time in God's word, write it out. Write it out, first letter of every word on your on your hand, and then all day long, you are thinking about that. You're remembering it, and then you're able to more easily, as you go about your day, meditate on it. Our verse this month that I would love to start jumping into is, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's Romans 12, 12, and it's a verse about finding joy when the thing we hope for is still unrealized, about being patient, even though we're going through something really hard, and being faithful to God by taking those things to Him in prayer. So how do you think slowing down and meditating and even memorizing a verse like this would be valuable in a way that's different than just kind of reading it and moving on? Well, I confess It probably wasn't until a few years ago that I finally started to understand the value of memorizing scripture. There is blessing from the Lord in memorizing and meditating on scripture. Psalm 1, the very first verse of the psalm says, Blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his or her delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I don't always have my Bible with me, but if I have the word of God stored up in my heart, then I can meditate on it. And there is a gracious cycle there when I meditate. The Holy Spirit leads me to delight in who God is and in his word. And the more that I delight in who God is, the more I want to meditate on who he is and spend time with him and get to know his word. And the cycle just continues. And so friends, we will be blessed as we think on God's word and memorizing it is one way that we can do that. I have the verse that you're focusing on this month on my piano. And so when you sent it to me, I thought, oh, that's so sweet because it's been sitting there for a while. I've been, you know, reading it over, thinking about it. And there really is blessing, you know, when you're in that heated moment at the office and the spirit brings the word to mind and you're able to pray using that verse, you are blessed. When you feel like your volcano of anger toward your kids is about to explode (laughs) and you have that verse come to mind, or maybe it's in hindsight, maybe you already did explode and the Holy Spirit reminds you of God's word, you are blessed. And so I think the more that we can take it into ourselves, the more we will experience the presence and the blessing of God. Well, when we think about our verse and thinking about being joyful in hope and patient in affliction and faithful in prayer, I think it it feels like these are things we want to be true of our lives, but the reality of living them out feels like a really, really tall order. It feels like a really hard thing to pray and pray and pray again faithfully, right? Be faithful in prayer. That same 
prayer or to find joy and be patient in the hard things. So how how do we take a verse like the one that you've had on your piano and that we're all memorizing right now and find joy or be patient or take things to God faithfully in prayer and in those times? Well, it's certainly not easy, which is why Paul and God through Paul is giving us this reminder. So Paul's writing to the Roman church here, and there's so much a foundation that he's laid and built before we've even gotten to chapter 12. So chapter 12 begins um, what we would call the imperatives, the, um, the commands, the uh, the guidance for the church, everything before this um, is is indicative. So it's it's going to tell you who God is. It's going to tell you who you are. And now, in light of that, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be faithful in prayer. So I think we have to start actually before and be able to say what what is true about God that would make it possible for me to rejoice. Yeah, when life is really sad or hard and to be patient when my current situation hurts or God seems to be delaying for a purpose that I do not understand. And how is it possible for me to continue in prayer? I'm looking at the ESV. The ESV says be constant in prayer. So that's what we're talking about when we say faithfulness. We keep coming back to prayer, which is living by faith and not by sight, because I can't see the God to whom I'm speaking. So I think we have to start with asking who God is, and that will help us to persevere in each of these virtues, each of these practices. What have you found, Kristen, in your own life when you find yourself in that? Because I think in some some ways I think about this section of like three back-to-back commands, and it's all, we're, we're hoping for things that are not yet, right? We are being joyful in hoping for something we don't have yet. We're being patient in affliction. So we're enduring something that we long to to be different, frankly. So we're still, we're in that waiting and that hopeful, like, I can't wait till maybe I get over with this illness or maybe when my situation gets better or, or whatever it is. And then we're faithfully taking those things to God in prayer. And like you said, so because God is who God is, we are able to, to give him those hopes and those dreams and even our nightmares, even the really hard things that we're going through that we're enduring, hopefully with patience. Um, but that last little component, be faithful in prayer, I think really strikes on what you're talking about of like the foundation of the whole book of Romans up until this point, right? Because Romans 12, 1 says, therefore, in, in, in view of God's mercy, we can offer our bodies as living sacrifice. And then he goes on and says, do this, 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 right? In view of God's mercy. So what would you say to our listeners about God's mercy? Like what about God, what we've learned already in Romans previously and what we know throughout the whole of scripture, like we were talking about earlier, it all points to Jesus. So Mm -hmm. what do we know about who God is um, and his faithfulness towards us that would encourage us to be faithful in our prayers? Yeah. Well, the whole, uh, the beginning of Romans up to this point talks about the grace and the mercy of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news about Jesus Christ being the thing that saves us. 
I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And you know, this is this is the reality of our world. This is the beginning of Romans in chapter one and chapter two, where Paul is addressing the problem. We have suppressed the truth about God. We have deluded ourselves. We have exchanged the worship of our glorious creator for the non-glory of creatures. We don't deserve to be brought into a living relationship with the living God because we have scorned him and rejected him. So mercy is not getting what you deserve, which is judgment and wrath for our sin. And grace is getting more, abundantly more than, than we deserve. Life in Christ and the unsearchable, immeasurable riches of his kindness to us, we've received both because God is love and he's been so good to us. Oh man, in view of these mercies, to be able to continue to rejoice in the hope of the gospel is my daily privilege and honor because this Jesus who saved me once is going to come back and do it finally. And he's going to take me out of this earthly body that hurts sometimes. And um, he's going to remove the sin in my heart and demolish it completely so that it's not even a possibility for me anymore. And he's going to make his church a beautiful bride and perfect it. Okay, I can have hope. (laughs) If that's my future, that begins now because the Holy Spirit, who is the good deposit of that future, dwells in me then I can have hope and I can be patient in tribulation and I can keep praying for myself, for my church family, for the unbelievers in my life who have yet to be raised from death. That gives us perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> and I love too, the very beginning of chapter 12, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Man, because that's all that I see, right? All that I see in front of me is bad news yeah. and despair and a lack of life and hope. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There's the mind again. What we think about matters. Yeah. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So in all of these things, rejoicing in hope, being patient in tribulation, being faithful in prayer, I am asking God to to conform my will to his will. And there's a lot of freedom and peace that comes from that. Because when I just want my timetable, um, I will not be patient. I will be anxious. Right. And when I just want my answer to prayer or my outcome, I will not rejoice in the hope of, of Christ. I will dwell on my current circumstances and you know, perhaps complain about it, even fall into despair. Yeah. But if I can ask God to renew my mind and conform my will to His then I'm going to have his perspective. And that changes everything. That's such a good word. Uh, Earlier in Romans in chapter five, it talks about how we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that I think is such a helpful, because what we're looking at right now is shorthand in our verse. Paul is referring back to things that he's already discussed. So, So we keep telling our listeners and you know, read all of the book of Romans, read this verse in its context, because it's really going to help you understand what Paul is referring to in Romans chapter five. And again, in Romans chapter eight, he talks about being joyful in hope and the hope that we have in, in, in Jesus and what he has achieved for us. So all of that is really good theology, right? That is a really good way for our minds to think about what this verse is telling us, but how do we live this out? Like, 
Can you tell us about a time when you waited or you endured with joy or patience or practically like how do we take this good news uh, that God has done this for us? And in light of that, we actually can. He has empowered us to be able to, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to live this like totally impossible otherwise way of having joy, even when we don't know the outcome instead of anxiety or having patience when we're enduring something that is just heartbreaking and difficult. So God has made this possible. How do we practically embody that? Mm -hmm. Well, I think prayer is a huge part of that. Asking the Lord to take all of these things that we know to be true about him and actually increase our faith Right. In these truths, right? So, God, I don't just want to believe some things about you. I want to walk with you. Years back, about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and it was chronic at that point. So, it had wreaked a lot of havoc on my nervous system. Mm. And to this day, I still struggle with some pretty severe neuropathy in certain parts of my body, just hurt pretty much all the time. And some days are a lot worse than others. My dominant hand, my right hand and arm, experience it the worst right now, mm. which is hard when I'm you know, a mom of three little kids who need me and I'm trying to write and thank the Lord for dictation software, but typing and, and fine motor is just very, very hard for me. Mm. And this is not the first time I've experienced chronic pain of one sort or another. It's kind of been constant in various parts of my body. So this verse has been very deeply needed for me because mm. how are you able to to rejoice when your body hurts and you're dealing with pain? And and how are you able to be patient with it if you don't know that there's going to be uh, relief from it? Right. And prayer has helped me so much, staying faithful in prayer and talking to God, submitting to him as Lord, first of all, that his will will be done and not mine, telling him what I'm feeling, what is going on, how hard it is, asking him, to take it away and asking him even beyond that to do in me that renewing work, that transforming work, making me more like Christ through the pain, if the answer is not that it will be removed. And then trusting that he will answer in the right way, which is hard, right? Because I would like the answer to come in a certain way. (laughs) (laughs) I would like for my pain to just go away because in my mind, that will help me be a more joyful patient, faithful person. But God knows in his wisdom, the things that I don't. And I have found that the tool of suffering has humbled me and has actually increased these things in my heart and in my life. Because I'm not rejoicing in the answer to prayer. I'm rejoicing in the Lord who doesn't change. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 16 says, I have set the Lord always before me. I'm thinking about him. I'm talking to him. He's with me. And then later he says, therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. He doesn't say my prayer has been answered, so I'm happy about it. (laughs) He says, I have the Lord. You know, my joy is found in a person who doesn't change. And that has been incredibly comforting to me. And it has helped me to persevere because I know that within the pain, if it's never taken away, I'm not alone in it. And he will give me what I need even if it's different than what I want. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kristen. That is oh, you're welcome. such a great word for 
for when we're going through something that's really difficult. And and when when the things that we hope for don't happen for us, like, that we're still, you know, like, like, yes, we still ask, yes, we still hope, but like our current situation is not what we would hope that it would be. So I just appreciate you sharing that because I'm thinking about our listeners today who maybe are going through a difficult time. And I was going to ask you, what would you say to them? But I think you just answered it in in that response about your own personal hardship that you've gone through. But if there's anything else you would like to add to that, mm. you know, to, to address anybody right now who's listening, who is similarly either struggling through something physical or something, you know, relational or emotional, you know, if you have anything else you'd like to say, I'd love to hear it. Well, and I think Paul would say this in Romans, but the greatest gift that Christ could give us is himself. Mm. Yeah. Not even the specific answers to our prayers or the changing or altering of our circumstances. It's more of himself. You know, go back and read Romans 5 and 6, which is all about being united to Christ by faith, which means we are of an entirely different position than we were once in when we were dead in our sins. We have we have become alive in Christ. We are one with him. And if God's purposes in your pain and your suffering in your in the delays that you're experiencing are that you would know more of Christ, then you are blessed mm-hmm. and you are experiencing the hope of the gospel. And that's not to say that he doesn't answer our prayers because he does. God is accomplishing his purposes in more ways than we can understand. But his primary purpose is that you would know him and love him and that you would be a beautiful gem of his glory. And so I think focusing on that perspective has helped me walk through pain and suffering. And so I pray that's an encouragement to the listeners today. Mm. You wrote, you co-wrote a book with Sarah Walton called Hope When It Hurts. And I'm gonna I'm gonna link that in our show notes for our listeners. So if you want to hear more about what it looks like to walk through suffering with hope. Uh, I think it's a really helpful resource for anybody. So you can find that link in our show notes. But I want to close by focusing on the true hope that we have in Jesus. How does having our hope in him refocus our heart on joy no matter what? So being Mm. joyful in hope is that first part of that verse. And how is it that because we have this hope, we get to be a joyful people? Hmm. Can I just read some of Romans? Is that yeah. is that allowed? A hundred percent. Okay, so I'm just going to do it then. This is the end of Romans 8, which I think is very beloved, right? Yeah. What then shall we say to these things? This is the ESV. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, 
our Lord. Amen. That's it, right? I mean, Christ is our hope because God did not spare him. Yeah. God gave us his only son. And if he's given you his only son, will he not give you everything else that you need? And if the God of the universe is for you, then none of these circumstances will ultimately take you down. And that is, that's a beautiful and indestructible hope that we have. Amen. Kristen, thank you so much. Thanks for reading that. I needed to hear that for myself. Mm, Me too. (laughs) And I'm sure that that's an encouragement to our listeners as well. Thank you for walking through this verse with us and getting a little gritty with us and just helping us see how God meets us in our suffering. So Mm. I appreciate that so much. Oh, well, it's truly a privilege to be here. Thank you for the time. Okay, friends, I want to tell you something really exciting. If you don't know it, Dwell has past verses for sale. These are verses that we have memorized and sent out with our membership where we had a little bit of overage or whatever, or some that we've even like restocked because we think these verses are just so impactful. If you are looking for a Bible verse to memorize, or if you're looking for Bible verses to give away, our kids shop is clutch. You need to go over there to dwelldifferently.com and take a peek at that kit shop. And if for some reason you are not a member, I'm not trying to be too sneaky over here, but you can sign up for a month a month membership and just get one month and give it a try and go over in that kit shop and get whatever your little heart desires. So check out our kit shop. It's at dwelldifferently.com.